So we're in this series called Church, and really the idea of the series is this. Are we, as church, falling foul of some kind of Divine Trade Descriptions Act, where the church that Jesus would have expected is different than the church we are. That's really what this series is about. And we're, and we're trying, just in four sessions, to work through, in quite a, a pragmatic way, just looking at Scripture, um, to see whether we are the kind of church that Jesus would expect. And so we started in week one with a title called Born. Born. And it's the most fundamental aspect of anyone being part of church. I don't just mean a local church or organized church, but this, this wonderful entity that Jesus launched. We looked at Born, where Jesus said uh, to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. And there's a whole host of stuff wrapped up in what Jesus said there, but we just picked on, on maybe one or two things, the main one being this. What Jesus was saying to Nicodemus and what he says to us is this, although your lineage, your ancestors in some way define you, you know, your your eye color, whether you're prone to putting on muscle, whether you're going to go bald or not. Although your ancestors define you in that way, and then they define you in lots of other ways by how they brought you up, Jesus said to Nicodemus, and he says to us, that doesn't really matter when it comes to the most important question of life, being this, am I at peace with God? Am I at peace with God? When I look deep inside myself, is there a hope and a trust in God that will indeed endure forever? Forever. And when it comes to that question, you, you can look at your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents if you like, and you can try and find any solace that for Nicodemus's. Uh, in Nicodemus' situation, he would, he would trace his Jewish lineage back. And that really mattered to him. And he thought that gave him a relationship with God. And Jesus was pulling the rug from underneath his feet and saying, no. You, it's almost like you have to be born again. And we talked about a little bit of, of what that means. And it's difficult to talk about the miraculous bit because we know in some mysterious way, the Holy Spirit of God does something deep inside us. He, he lifts us from a place of where we're heading for darkness and destruction and deathliness, and he lifts us to a place of life. But in our heads and in our hearts, it's about accepting that we are adopted into a new identity. You become a child of God. A child of God. And you accept that identity. And then you learn to behave and live according to that new identity. That's, that's being born again. And so we talked about that in week one. If you missed it, it's all available on the podcast. Week two, last week... We talked about, the title was Gather, Gather, and we talked about togetherness. So once you're born again, 
You're not just born again as a single follower of Jesus. You can't just go through life saying, no, I have a personal relationship with Jesus because a personal relationship with Jesus is unheard of in the Bible. We have a corporate relationship with Jesus. You are part of a global family. Solo Christianity is not Christianity. Together Christianity is Christianity. Without acknowledging that you have brothers and sisters in the faith, how will you ever be on the receiving end of all the gifts and talents that they have, the spiritual gifts, the prophecies, the, the words of wisdom? How will you be on the end of that if you don't acknowledge that you are part of a wonderful global family? And then what does that mean? And we looked at a few areas of depth of that, and we asked the question, did Jesus leave us anything to remind us of that concept of togetherness, and of course he did, and that is communion, breaking bread together. And we gave an example of that, and then then we all broke bread together. And I, I would urge you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a part of this church, and you think back, you think, do you know, I can't remember the last time I broke bread with anyone. I can't remember the last time I had communion. Then you need to have communion. I mean, we do it here every month, and we encourage small groups to do it regularly. So if you've not broken bread, then either remind your small group leader or or just make it happen. Grab some brothers and sisters in Christ and and say, let's let's break bread. I, I believe communion is a sacrament. It's not an optional extra. It's a sign of followers of Jesus. Just as I believe water baptism is as well, I believe it's a sacrament. We show it as part of our born againness. Anyway, we can preach on those kind of things uh, some other time. Next week, the title is Flow. Flow. So we've had a born, we've had gather. Next week, we're talking about flow. And we're going to ask a, a question What is a local church? What is a local church like, like we are? What does it mean to be one? Where do we come from? Where are we heading? What's the point of local churches? So we're going to talk about that. Today, the title is Go. Go. There's a little scripture going to appear on screen from John uh, 17. Um, and it's in the middle of a, of a big prayer that Jesus prayed. Almost a three-part prayer, but let's not worry about that too much. This is what Jesus prayed. Someone must have been within earshot because they wrote it down, right? So Jesus prays and he says this. He's talking to Father God. My prayer is not that you remove them. That's you and I. That's his followers. My prayer is not that you remove my followers from society, but rather that you protect them. They are different from others. So let them remain true to you and as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them. That's Jesus' prayer for you. Let's close our eyes, shall we? Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks to us. Can speak to, if we allow it, it can speak to really deep parts of us and make a genuine difference in our lives. And we just pray that that will be the case this morning. Let some of us just be inspired. Some of us have some fresh revelation. 
Let some of us be moved into action. But let everyone present who hears this just be changed for the better in some way. So, Lord, again, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Oliver Cromwell. Um, You say that name out loud and uh, any congregation, any audience you're speaking to immediately splits into two, the Royalists and the Republicans, okay? Either Oliver Cromwell was a great man in your estimation or he's the worst thing to ever happen to this country. So we won't open that up, but he lived, all right? Oliver Cromwell, early 17th century, had a lot to do with the English Civil War. Uh, led an army that dressed in strange ways, wore funny helmets and all those kind of things. And um, as he was in the midst of the Civil War, and he engaged hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people to fight on his behalf against what he considered was a bad, unruly, immoral king, he needed to pay his army and his followers. And there was a real shortage of money, of of tangible coins. So he gathered a task force and he said, we have a problem here. My armies of hundreds of thousands of people are going to disappear if I can't give them anything at the end of every week. They're going to go. So we need some precious metal. Help me find some precious metal. And the task force scattered across the kingdom and and tried to find some money. They came back to him after weeks and they said, um, uh, Mr. Cromwell, there are uh, plenty of statues of saints made out of solid silver. That's all we've found. Plenty of statues made of solid silver of the great saints. Where are these statues, Oliver Cromwell said. They're in the cathedrals and the great churches. And Oliver Cromwell said, Go to the cathedrals and the great churches and melt down the saints and put them into circulation. Is that a great quote? It's in lots and lots of books. Could be an urban myth. I've tried to do due diligence, but Oliver wasn't speaking to me. And I don't know whether he really said it, but, but it's been passed down through history that something like this went on. Go to the cathedrals and the great churches, melt down the saints and put them into circulation. And I guess in one sense, I could just keep saying that phrase over and over again and then sit down and that would be the sermon. And we let that sink here because it has two meanings. For us this morning, it means... You know, part of our process as saints is to keep so close to Christ that he is the center of us, that, that he warms us and heats us, our ego and our self melts, and we can't help but make a difference to the world around us. Melt down the saints. Get, get, their, get the coldness out of them. Get the arrogance out of them. Get the bad kind of ego out them. Let them become so warm and so soft and so pliable for Christ that we have no option but to flow into circulation in society. What a great concept. Let's read some more Bible, shall we? We're going to read two more bits of uh, Bible today. And again, from Jesus. I really want to focus on what Jesus 
said. John chapter 20. After the resurrection, Jesus said this to his closest followers. Why don't you read this one with me? It's much shorter. Jesus said this to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, and that's how you call yourself, this this is for you. I mean, sometimes I have to imagine Jesus looking at me, looking at me in the eyes, just as he would have looked at his followers then, and say, peace be with you. Don't worry too much. The peace I want for you is a real deep kind of peace. doesn't mean that you'll never get fearful, but it means you have a complete trust in God. That just, it remains. It's a solid part of you, a peace. Peace be with you. Now, as the Father has sent me, just in just the same way, I am sending you. That's powerful, isn't it? I mean, when we put it up on the screen like that, it's difficult to ignore. But when it's in the pages of a, you know, a thousand-page book, you, you just you go past it. But when it's there... And you imagine Jesus saying it. This is powerful. You are sent people. I am a sent person. And then Matthew 28 must be one of the top three most popular scriptures in the Bible. Matthew 28. Some of the last words Jesus ever said to his followers. All authority in heaven and earth is mine. Again, Jesus starts by saying this. You can trust me. It's the similar thing to when he said, peace be with you. That special kind of peace. He starts off this with, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. You you can trust me. Have confidence in me. Now, go and make disciples everywhere. Baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I taught you. And again, he finishes in the same way. Just asking for confidence in him. I am with you until the very end. This, it's, a, it's a Jesus sandwich, this. You know, we can trust Jesus. That's the first layer of bread. We can trust me. Trust me. Have confidence in me. I'm with you. Another layer of bread at the bottom. And in the middle is the meat. Or you're vegetarian. Hummus. Halloumi. Halloumi in the middle, and um, sausage, let's face it, it's sausage. And um, go. Go. Jesus says, Sam, trust me. Go. Trust me. KD, trust me. Go. Trust me. So already we can see here from the the words of Jesus, that we, we have a, a flow here. Last week, it was all about gather, gather, come together. Not just in a, a congregational way, but in a heart way, gather. And now, it's, it's go. See, Jesus expects our identity in him to include going. This is not an optional extra. 
We quite like the fact that Jesus says part of your identity is a togetherness, a gathering. I like that. But just as much of our identity is that we go. What do you mean by go? Well, just in the way that Jesus said. Father sent him into a messy place. Jesus got up to messy things, right? He got himself into trouble. One occasion he had to sort of sneak through a crowd because they were going to push him off a cliff. I mean, he got up to some messy stuff. All his followers that we read about in the New Testament afterwards got into messy stuff because they carried with them a goingness. They loved the gathering. They knew they got their strength from there, but they carried with them a goingness. And wrapped up in our identity as Christians, as a follower of Jesus, as disciples, is we embrace the togetherness, the gathering, but we embrace the goingness. And if you don't embrace this, you're partially missing something about your identity. When I was at school, I was, a, I was a really fast runner. I was a great sprinter, really good sprinter. And um, uh, I ended up running for like inter-county championships and that kind of thing. But when I f- first started running for inter-school stuff, it was a really strange moment for me. Because, you know, when you're on the starting blocks at, you know, early comprehensive or in junior school... Uh, And you get in, I won't get down because my microphone will pop out my back pocket. But you're down there and you're all ready. And the starter says, on your marks. And then you're in initial place. Get set. And then your bottom goes up. You're all ready. You're like a coiled spring. Like that. And then they go, go. And you're off. Right? And, And I was really good. I was really fast and went for extra training and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I first went for my first meet, they call it, at a, at a county level, it was at RAF Cranwell, I remember. The first time, first time I rang there, um, I was left on the starting blocks. I was, uh, it was embarrassing. Have you ever seen these YouTube videos or you've seen it at World Championships where you know, you've got eight people in the lanes and then seven of them dash off and there's one poor person left and they're kind of... Well, that was me for my very first race. And that was, I'll tell you exactly why it was. It's because when you grow up a bit, the starter doesn't say go. He says on your marks and get set. But they don't say go. They have a gun. And, And no one reminded me. And I'm waiting for go. And all the other lads who are slightly older than me, they know. I mean, they're going, they're going on the bang, right? And I'm waiting for go. And it was most embarrassing. I was just left there. You know, when you grow up, go can sound different. You know, when Jesus started off with his disciples, he said, go and make disciples. But when you then read the New Testament... You see that Jesus doesn't come down every time and say to Paul the Apostle, go, or Peter, go to the Gentiles, or to Philip, go to the Ethiopian. You know, he doesn't say all that. They just carried a goingness with them. They understood that go can sound different. 
right? So if you're at college, your go can sound different than someone who's been in an industrial work setting for 30 years. But they carried a goingness with them. And we've got to learn to do that as a church so that we, we almost don't have to be told to go. We just know that part of our identity is we gather and we go. Say it together. We gather and we, yeah, we worship and we witness. The early church that we read in the New Testament and for a few hundred years after, they, they understood this, that what gathering was to breathing in, going was to breathing out. Are we there? I don't think so. I mean, some of you may be, and God bless you. But what gathering was to breathing in? I could do this a while, so we won't. Going is to breathing out. We inhale the worship and the blessing of fellowship and togetherness. And we exhale to society. And I would love us to get to a place where going is as natural as that. And perhaps I'll say more a bit about that later. How did they go? How, what, you're talking about this word go, Russ. What does it mean? Well, the thing is, I don't want to open it too much because we've got a special guest coming in a few weeks to tell us all about that. But, but I, I know this. Here, here are three, three G's that the early church were great at. They were, they were great at showing grace. They were the most graceful people you could come across. It's a hallmark of church, actually. They lived out their identity full of grace. Not full of judgment. Not full of pointing fingers. But full of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They lived out their life showing gift. I don't just mean natural talents, but I mean the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of you great Pentecostals here, you, you could recite off the gifts of the Spirit, you know, miracles and wonders and knowledge and tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and all that. Do you know what I find interesting is when you read Scripture, it's very difficult to find any of those spiritual gifts in operation in a gathered situation. Just two occasions. All, all the rest are in operation outside of a gathered situation, in, in a go situation. Is that interesting? In fact, so, so much did the, uh, the early church carry this that I put down gossip as well. They, they just they couldn't stop talking about their identity. I don't mean gossip in a bad way, you know. Russ wore that awful combo again this morning. I don't mean that. I mean gossip in a, Jesus has changed everything. I can't fathom the depths of what Jesus has done, but he's changed everything for me. And they just gossiped, gossiped Jesus. They carried it with them. It was like 
exhale. We've got to exhale. We've got to exhale into society. That's what go meant for them. Those of you who know the, the creeds, some of the creeds we say, particularly the Nicene Creed, it says this, that we are part of a holy Catholic apostolic church. Don't worry about the word Catholic. It's got nothing to do with denomination or church stream. It means a, a oneness and a globalness. That's what truly the word Catholic means. But we are part of a holy Catholic apostolic church. Apostolic. What an odd word. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It's in the Bible a lot in the original language. It means to send away. We are part of a church, an apostolic church, which means that we are sent. We are gathered and we are sent. It's part of our identity. You know, the most exciting bits of church history happened on the way to somewhere. Not in a church gathering. Now get this, this is important. The most exciting bits of church history even in Scripture, happened on the way somewhere. Not in the gathering. Think about Peter and John. They were on the way to the temple courts and they noticed a man begging and he needed healing. And as they were on their way, they spotted him. It actually says that phrase. As they were on their way to the temple courts, they went. Their goingness drove them to him and a miracle occurred. Have you ever noticed how lots of Jesus' miracles happened on the way to somewhere? He was going to a place, but as he was on the way, this happened. And you know, it's the same today. You know, I, I love seeing places... Um, you know, churches where the altar calls are full and people are being ministered to. And that happened this, may, this morning. That's great. But let me tell you this. Part of our identity is also to minister in a going sense. How many people need Christ to flow through you in a certain way and they're in your workplace? Or they're on the way to your workplace? Or they're on the way to church. They're just on the way in the journey of life, not here. Interesting? A goingness. There are as many ways to go as there are followers of Jesus in the world. That's what I love. I don't know what there are, 210 here this morning, something like that. How many ways to go are there? 210. No one can come and delineate a way to go and tell and go and share, go and be an example. No one can delineate that. There are as many ways to go as there are people. And that's the power of church. That's the power of embracing that. And we're going we're gonna to look a bit more at that um, in a couple of weeks. Let me tell you something. Part of my message this morning is an advert, really. It's a, a bit of a tease for something that's coming up. We've got a guy coming with us, uh, coming to us on the 16th of 17th of February. He's called Chris Duffett. Uh, he looks like a children's entertainer, doesn't he, when we show his picture. It's all colourful, and you think, wow, are you Mr. 
bungle or something. I don't know. But he was the president of the Baptist Union just three years ago. And he just, I was going to say, he lives and breathes a goingness. He inhales and he just exhales. And he's a very creative guy. And we've asked him to come in our year of evangelism for a special weekend where everyone, okay, including me, I'm going to love this, are just going to sit at his feet and try and catch something from him about how he exhales so well into society around him. I would love you all to join me on the Saturday. Open sessions on the Saturday. We're going to have brunch together. We're going to have lunch together from 10 a.m. through the to about 4.30-ish, something like that. The, the dates are all available on our website. And it'd be great if loads of us could come. Loads of us come. So much so that we, we cram the green room and we've got to move through here. That would be amazing. So as a church this year... We don't just learn how to inhale, how to gather well, but we learn how to exhale better. So do join me at that. It's going to be a great day. And he may even do some practical sessions too. I've heard he may. For the brave ones of us who want to follow him somewhere. All right? But that's going to be great. That's on the, the 16th and 17th of February. Now, I'm watching my clock. There's a fine line, isn't there, between a long sermon and a hostage situation. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching. It's quarter past 11. I want, I want time for us to do some worship after this. So look, Russ, you've labored, you've labored this point. That as much as our identity is being born, choosing to adopt a new identity... An adopted identity in good. As much as our identity is we are with family in a togetherness. And to think that we can do faith alone is a non-entity according to the Bible. As much as that, being a follower of Jesus is carrying with us more and more a goingness, a sentness. We are apostolic. We are sent on a mission. And your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to allow what is in you from Jesus to more and more easily find its way out wherever you find yourself. And some people say, well, can't I just be? You know, do I have to actually do anything? Do I have to actually say anything where I am? Can't I just be me? And the answer is, of course, yes. You can just be you in your place of work and whatever, as long as the you that you're being is the authentic Jesus changed, newly transformed you, and not the timid, pretend alter ego you who tries to get through life without anyone knowing that you're a Christian. Uh-oh. Can't I just be me, Russ? Yes, you can, but you adopted a new identity, didn't you? So that's the you. The one with Jesus at the center of you. The one who revolves around Christ. The one who, if you strip away every other blessing in life, the last thing you would want taken away is the presence of Christ. Can't I just be me? Yes, you can. If that's the you, you'll be. But so many of us, when we're in our own life, we take on the alter ego. Don't ask me too many questions. 
about what I do of a weekend. Don't ask me what I think about this. Don't ask me about my spirituality. Don't ask me about what drives me in life. Don't ask me about my ambitions. Don't ask me about these kind of things. Because if you do, I may just have to speak out of my identity as a born-again follower of Jesus. So can't I just be me? Yeah, you can. But which me are you going to be? The old one or the new one? Isn't that challenging? And we have it so easy in our country. The Western world in this century, we have it so easy that we can flip between those me's. But these people, right at the beginning, they couldn't flip. That's why baptism was so important. You know, if Jay here, Jay Kingman, I picked on you last week, I'm so sorry. It's because you smile at me all the time, Jay. If more people would smile, I would pick on more people, right? But Jay sat there with a, a, a smile on his face, so I'm picking on you. So if you were in the, the early church, that first century, and you said, I want to follow Jesus, then they would baptize you publicly. And your family would probably disown you. And your circle of existing friends may well fritter away. And there you are. And who is your new circle of friends? They are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you walk in this new identity. And do you know one thing you can't do? Is go back to your old one. Because they don't want you anymore. Now that's tough. There are millions of followers of Jesus like that in Indonesia and China now. I mean, that's just what it's like. It's, it's that delineated. And here in the West, that's why we can so often enjoy the gathering, but not so much enjoy the sentness and the going, because we have this ability to, to hide our new identity. Which is why we need to make more effort to accept it as part of our identity. Okay, so where's an easy place to start, Russ? Because I'm not a natural goer. I'm not a natural leaker of Jesus. I'm not a natural speaker about Jesus. Where's, where's an easy place to start? Here's the easiest place to start. Come and see. Come and see. You know, we've just been through Christmas. And uh, I always have lots of little Christmas talks ready. And I, I have a, a Christmas talk in my back pocket that I'm always ready to pull out at any minute. It's a talk called Come and See. Do you know what the star was that those wise people saw from the east? And, and they followed it to try and find Jesus. Do you know what that was? It was God saying, come and see. Come and see. And people that wanted to see saw it. And some of them chose to follow it. And they saw. The shepherds on the field abiding. And an angel came. Angels and something magnificent happened. But you know what that really was? It was God saying, come and see. Just come and see. 
Jesus' ministry is hallmarked by him, him working a wonder for someone, changing someone's life by accepting them and showing grace. And then that person going to other people and saying, say it with me, come and see. He went to a hated group of people and met a woman at a well. And he had a deep conversation with her and revelation sank into her spirit. And she went back to a village community where she probably wasn't very well liked. But nevertheless, she went to them and she said, come and see. You know, one of the easiest ways to get into our spirit and our identity, an idea of goingness, is to simply ask people we already know, family members, friends, colleagues, neighbors, and just say, come and see. There are a few people in our congregation this morning who weren't in our church a few weeks ago, but they used to be in this church many, many years ago. Do you know why they're here? Because someone said to them, come and see. How many people are in this church at all because you responded to an invite? Just pop your hands in here. Because someone invited you at some point. Well, you just look around. Just keep your hands in here. It's amazing. Someone said, in a, in a manner, come and see. It's one of the most powerful ways to allow people to find Jesus. And in a sense, it is still a going because you have to cross a threshold where you are inconfident. You have to cross it, cross it and say, I've never asked them before. I'm going to ask them. Or the threshold says this, you've asked them six times and they haven't responded. And then you have to be really brave because it's the seventh time. Will you come and see? And on February the 17th, on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., it's Back to Church Sunday. We've named it Back to Church Sunday. From next week onwards, we're going to be giving out uh, invites that you can just take with you. Just a business card size or A6 card size. And you can just give them people. People you know, not people you don't. Well, you can give them to people you know. I don't want to stop you. But people you know. And particularly people who you might think, they used to go to church. They used to have a really strong faith. And then life has just squeezed stuff out of them. I remember many years ago, probably well, many years ago, about 10, 12, 12 years ago maybe, we did a special event at church. I can't remember what it was. Maybe a firework house party. And we just had the idea, why don't we write to people who used to come to church? And back in those days, there was no GDPR, there was no great compliance. And we had all their information on a system. We can't keep it now, but, but we had it all. And so we just sent out maybe about 50 invites to people who used to come to the church. And, and we said, come 45 minutes early, we'd like to present what we're up to now as a church. I mean, what are the chances of them coming? They've left the church for some reason, right? Fifteen people came and enjoyed the evening. 
And some of those are still part of the church now. Isn't that amazing? I'm looking for Mick and Jan Godley. Mick and Jan Godley are here, right? They came back to church on my induction. Is that right? You'd left church. I don't know what you name that period. Your wandering years. All right, I don't know. And someone said there's a bit of a do happening. This young upstart is about to get inducted. And an invite went out and they came. And I've been trying to get rid of them for years. <laughs> they're like limpets. Limpets on the bottom of a boat. You just, wherever they are, you know, they're just, they're, they're so involved in the life of the church. Do you know why? Because a piece of paper came through the post and said, come and see. Why don't we stand together? Let's close our eyes, put our hands somewhere near our heart. Lord Jesus, we thank you for accepting us into a new identity. Somehow, miraculously, you worked in us when we were least deserving of it, a miracle. And your Holy Spirit lifted us from a life that was full of darkness and destructive forces and despair and lifted us to a life of hope, of purpose, of truly living. Thank you for adopting us, Lord. And Lord, I made a choice then to accept that new identity and along with that comes brothers and sisters in Christ who I can do them good and they do me good and, and I, I love gathering, Lord. I love being part of a cosmic-powered global organization that has transformed the world and will continue to. But Lord, here in my heart, I also embrace today this part of my identity which is apostolic. It is sent. And I embrace now a goingness in my life. Holy Spirit, I invite you now to fill me again. Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill me again with power, with authority, with confidence, with boldness to be an ambassador for the one and only Jesus Christ. From this day, let my words carry more weight than they carried before. From this day, let my prayers for others have more meaning than ever before. From this day, Holy Spirit, let the places my feet take me be more advantageous for the kingdom than ever before. I embrace the sentness and the goingness. Fill me, Holy Spirit.